going to do something. Maybe we might ever do this again because it is out of the box. Like I'm telling you, some of you are going to be nervous from the get-go. But uh, I think it's going to be fun. We're going to do a little drama. And I need a cast of thousands, but I only could get 11. So we're going to work with that. So if you are those 11 that I asked to be a part of this, would you actually make your way over to the Welcome Center? I'll call that the holding pin uh, for you. Uh, we have uh, Acts 5. You guys know Acts 5. We're in chapter 5, verse 12. We're going all the way through 42 today. But we're going to give you a visual representation of Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 42. Anybody okay with that today? You're supposed to clap and applaud and cheer at that point. Anybody? Yeah, there you go. So here's the deal. Uh, we have uh, three different s- settings here. We're going to have the Sanhedrin here. You didn't know that the Sanhedrin actually had this neon pink sign uh, back there 2,000 years ago. But that's the Sanhedrin. Uh, we also have a jail over here. And then this is the temple courts. Um, yeah, there was just one column in the temple courts. But you get the idea. You get the visual. Actually, I do need a temple guard. And temple guard, you're actually going to be holding the gates. You're going to stand behind the gates and hold them. Is anyone out there willing to stand behind? these amazing gates. Is there anyone that would raise their hand? Thank you. So David Messinger, would you come on up? Give David a round of applause. So from now on, you are a temple guard. Um, Have fun. Good luck. As we go through this, I want you to consider a couple of things. One, what does this mean? Like, what's going on? Right? We want to understand the context 2,000 years ago. But I also want you to ask the question, what does this mean to me? And I really want us to be able to apply this to our own lives, leave here with something that the Lord would be speaking to us. If you take notes, if you have a phone, you might want to write down what the Lord is speaking to you. Uh, if you take notes on a piece of paper with a pencil, uh, I know some of us still do that. Again, write that down. I want this to be something we can take in uh, to the, the rest of the week. Actually have an application. And so if I'm going to be asking the Lord, would you please let this be something we take into the week? It would be very appropriate for me to pray first before I do anything next. So let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we invite you knowing you're already here, but the posture of inviting you, the posture of opening up our hearts, saying, God, speak to us. Our eyes are open. Our ears are open to hear from you. God, we don't want to just kind of come in stubbornly to this. We want to be soft to the things of your kingdom. We want to be soft to your presence. By your presence, speak a word to us that would go on into this week, into our context, into our communities. You can do that. I believe in you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so here we go. Verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Do I have any apostles over here? Oh, here's a couple of apostles. Thanks for coming up on stage, apostles. So you did a lot of signs and wonders. Oh, we're fist pumping. Oh, and high-fiving. That was the squid, actually, I think, when you do the fist bump to the palm. Um, Oh, the turkey. That was the turkey. Uh, So here's the deal. The scripture tells us all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's colonnade. And and again, there was more than one column. But imagine this. This is on the outskirts of the temple courts. Uh, You actually had columns all the way around the temple courts, up where the temple was. Uh, uh, Solomon's uh, colonnade was probably on the east side. One of my favorite people says it was on the south side. Uh, Who knows? South or east. But here they are. But no one else dared join them. That's what scripture tells us. Even though they were highly regarded by people, you're very, I mean, I respect you, highly regarded, but I'm not going to join you. And nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord. They were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick. This is a powerful statement. They brought the sick into the streets. They laid them on beds. They laid them on mats. So at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. That 
is an amazing statement. Did you catch that? That even his shadow might fall on them. Crowds gathered from towns around Jerusalem. So it's not just people at Jerusalem. Towns around Jerusalem bringing their sick, those that are tormented by impure spirits. And how many of them were healed? All of them healed. So again, they're right up here. I want you to think of this. You've seen pictures probably of uh, what the temple would have looked like, what the temple courts would have looked like. I want you to get this in our minds that they are right up there where the Jewish religious system is doing its thing, right? It's still going on. You still have the temple. You still have the priests. You still have the sacrifices, everything else going on. And that's where they gathered. Again, no one else dared them, kind of afraid. They admire them. They respect them. But yeah, I'm going to stand over here. But then people start bringing in their sick. They lay them on mats. They lay them on beds. And let's pretend that this bear is a little sick and he's kind of under the weather. So we lay him down. And Peter, if only your shadow might fall upon the bear. I'm healed. Praise the Lord. Good work, Peter. So crowds gather. They're gathering from... Other towns, I I want you to visually picture this with your mind's eye. They don't have cars. They can't just hop in their car and get to Jerusalem. They are coming from other towns. It says they're bringing their sick. They're bringing those who are suffering from other towns. And again, all of them are healed. All of them are healed. Church, I want us all to feel something here. This new sect of Jewish people that are called the followers of the way, Jesus people, they are now teaching again right up there at the temple courts. Can you feel what's about to happen, right? Right up there at the temple courts. The crowds are massive. The streets are filled and people, they want to touch, they want to see these disciples, even the shadow of a disciple. Everybody's getting healed. Now, what I want you to feel is that if you're a part of the religious system, the religious system that along with the Romans actually had Jesus killed, at this point, you got to do something. Does that make sense? You got to do something. You can't let this continue. The streets are filled. The crowds are massive. You got to do something. Let's see what they do. Verse 17, the high priest and all his associates. Do we have a high priest and associates? Yeah, come on up. Welcome the high priest. That feels awkward, but go ahead and welcome the high priest up on stage. All of his associates. Yeah, absolutely. We know it's just grace. <laughs> Playing her part. Um, you were members of the Sadducee, but you're also filled with jealousy. Can you give your best jealous look? Uh, that, that's good. That's, that's, I, I feel the jealousy. That was good, Kathy. Well, verse 18 says they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. So go ahead and do the deed. Arrest those apostles. You're fil- yeah, you should film it. Arrest them. Put them in jail. The guard has some... He's holding the bars, so it's very secure. You can't get out of there. <laughs> You'll never escape. Now, remember, this high priest and associates, these are the ones that probably have the most to lose with this rise of faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? Because the high priest, that is a position of power. The Sadducees, these are people of wealth and of privilege. And so a lot is at stake for them. Again, I want us to feel this. They can't lose their influence over the people to these apostles of Jesus. So they go, we have an idea. What we're going to do, we're going to take them from the temple courts and we're going to put them behind bars, put them in jail. But then during the night, an angel of the Lord, do I have an angel of the Lord over there? Hey, angel of the Lord, come on up. What a good-looking angel of the Lord. Not quite as 
scary as I think angels actually quite. Every time an angel showed up, people were afraid. But I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> so here's the deal. Angel of the Lord showed up. You went to the jail. You brought them out. Go ahead and bring them out. Good job, angel. But angel, you had a message for them, didn't you? What is your message to these apostles? Go, stand in the temple courts and tell all the people about this new life. Amen. And so at daybreak, that's what they did. Verse 21, they entered the temple courts as they had been told. They obeyed the angel and they began to teach the people. So again, the high priest is trying to squash this thing. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He's trying to crush the movement. But now he's got a mess on his hands. Like he has an idea, like I'll just put him in jail. But now they can't even keep them in jail. The power is slipping from his hands. Again, I want you to feel this. Think about the masses who saw the apostles put into jail, but now the same masses are seeing them returning to the courts, continuing to deliver their message. I thought of it this way this week. God, as I visually saw them be arrested, but now back at the courts. For me, if I saw that as one of the masses or the crowd, I'd say this must be something of God. God must be approving of their message about the new life found in Jesus. Now, the next morning when the high priest and the associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin. Do I have some Sanhedrin over here? Come on up. Good job, high priest. You called him on your iPhone. He said, come on over. The Sanhedrin was a lot more than just these three people. This is the full assembly of the elders of Israel. And they sent for the apostles. They sent um, to the jail for the apostles. An officer, do we have an officer? Officer, can you please go to the jail and get the apostles? Just go get the apostles. <laughs> But on arriving, verse 22, arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. They're not there. So they went back and they reported. What did you report? We found the jail securely locked and the guard standing at the door. But no one was inside. No one was inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard, the chief priest, they're at a loss. You're just at a loss. Like, what might this lead to? Then someone came. We need someone. Is there someone? Oh, there's someone. Come on over, someone. <laughs> One of my favorite someones. <laughs> then someone came. And what did someone say? Look, the men that you put in jail are in the court, are in the temple courts, and they're teaching to everyone. Oh, good job, someone. Can we give it up for someone? That was so good. Teaching the people at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. Can you, officer, can you go um, get them? Maybe bring someone. Someone, you go with him. Why don't you just help him out? Bring, bring those apostles over here. Now, they did not use force. That's in the scripture. So, so hands off. It says they did not use force. Why? Because they feared that the people would stone them. Verse 27, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin. How about Sanhedrin, high priest and all you? Can you go over on that side? And then apostles, can you come over here? I just really want you to feel this, that there's a couple here and a few apostles over here. And then we got the Sanhedrin and someone and, and the high priest all over here. Now... The apostles were brought in, made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Listen to this uh, statement by the high priest. 
We gave you guys strict orders not to teach in this name, and yet you are teaching all throughout Jerusalem and making us look like we're guilty of this man's blood. Everyone go, ooh. (laughs) Peter and the other apostles reply, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So when they heard this, they were furious. (laughs) Wow, that was really good. (laughs) I'm feeling that. (laughs) And they wanted to put them to death. Moving on. All right. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Gamaliel, are you here? A teacher of the law. You were honored by all the people and you stood up in the Sanhedrin and you ordered that the men be put out for just a little while. So, officer, we need to have the men just be put out for a little while. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him... Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Wow, right? Remember Theodos? He was killed. His followers scattered. Do you remember Judas the Galilean? He was killed. His followers scattered. Well, Jesus, we got rid of Jesus. And so if this is just a man, of origin of man, they'll scatter. And yet, isn't that a powerful statement? He says, and yet, if this is from God, you will not be able to stop it. No, you will only find yourself, what? Fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in. Go ahead. Had them flogged. Do not flog Andrew and uh, Joe. Please don't do that. (laughs) I want to keep my job. Stop. (laughs) Now, according to Dr. Steve Schell of Northwest Church, he said this would have meant that they would have laid them down on the ground and they would have whipped them up to 40 times on their bare backs. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. You are let go. And the apostles, verse 41, they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Yes, rejoicing. Yes, rejoicing. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching. They never stopped proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Can we give it up for our actors today? Would you take a bow? Take a bow. That was amazing. You may be seated. Good job. Our first and maybe last ever drama here at church so amazing that was fun 
So what are some things that you noticed? I, again, I hope you wrote them down. Um, put it in your phone. Write down on a piece of paper. I have just a couple of things. I, I won't keep you long today. But the first one is simply this, and you might want to write this down. As I read this this week, and I read it again and again and again, so overwhelming to me was the reality that they obeyed the Lord. They obeyed the Lord. Twice now, twice they've been ordered to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. It just happened in the chapter right before this, and yet twice now have they obeyed that order? Not at all. They continue to speak in the name of Jesus. In fact, 42, I just read it. We're told they never stop teaching. They never stop proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Messiah. They obeyed the Lord. Now, for us in this room, what that looks like, right? What obeying the Lord looks like, it's probably going to be different for each one of us in this room. Because one thing I've noticed in this life is that there are a thousand different ways to be human, right? We're all on the same earth. We're all living this life, and yet some of us are married. Some of us are single. Some of us have children. Some of us do not. Some of us are Mariners fans. Some of us have never watched a baseball game in our life. Some of us are working hard. Some of us are retired. There's just not uh, one way to do this life. Now, we might have things in common. We have shared experiences. But really, if you think about it, the experience of another person, even that I met with six different senior pastors this week. Each one wildly had different experiences in life. This is why living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I'm saying here. This is why it's so important to be living by the power of the Holy Spirit, obeying him, who him that is in the inside, who is inside of your temple, obeying him, walking with him on that personal level. It's why it's so important, because the Christian life, it isn't about obeying what the Lord is asking the person next to you to do. We're so good at that, the elbow thing. But what is it about? It's about obeying what the Lord is asking who to do you to do. And we see it in the scene. The angel comes to those apostles and says to those apostles, go stand in the temple courts and you tell the people about this new life. And they did it. They obeyed the Lord. Praise God. But what about me, right? What about you? What does that look like? I can tell you in my own life why I'm a pastor and not a doctor. You guys know I'm pre-med biology major from the University of Wyoming. You know why I'm a pastor and not a doctor? It's simple, because the Lord asked me to be a pastor. You know why I'm up in Edgewood in Milton area? I didn't even know there was a Milton. I knew about Edgewood. Milton I wasn't so sure about. But Milton, you know why I'm here? I did not have a dream. You know, one day, oh, one day I shall go up the hill. (laughs) No, I'm here. Why? Because the Lord asked me to come here. Why did I marry my wife? I I love my wife. I'm so thankful that we married each other. But that was an accident. That wasn't random. We married each other because the Lord led us and stirred us up and brought us together. Now, it's interesting because a lot of people on earth, like right now, this way of living that I just talked about, obeying the Lord in this personal way where it's a personal relationship with God, it's almost like a foreign concept. Do you have anyone in your life like that? Like if you talk like that, they just say, you're crazy. You're crazy. It's a foreign concept. And yet for me as a follower of Jesus, this is life. This is my life. It's where I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm no longer my own. I was bought with a price. And now my goal, my passion at the core of who I am is to obey Jesus. Now, do I get it right all the time? 
No, right? Ask my wife. She knows. No, of course I don't. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs. Uh, it goes, From the Inside Out, right? Have you heard that song? And it goes, A thousand times I failed. A thousand times I failed. Yet, what is the next line? It says, Yet your mercy remains. So I've disobeyed the Lord too many times to count. I'm around a lot of people that are way better than me uh, in following Jesus. I, I, I've rebelled again and again. And yet, as much as I've fallen short by God's grace and God's mercy, at the core of who I am, my passion, my heart's desire as a born-again new creation in Christ is to live all to the glory of God and for His kingdom, for Jesus and Jesus alone, who is my true and coming King. Amen. I want to obey His commands. And that's what makes being here so fun. It's hard. I, I just heard a stat this week that in the last 18 months, a third of pastors have resigned. I also heard an even scarier uh, stat that in the next year, the survey said that another third of them don't plan on pastoring uh, even another year. They're going to resign within this year. But I love being here at LifeSpring, and, and it's fun. And, and the reason I enjoy it is because I feel like I'm surrounded by people who have the same passion as I do, to follow hard after Jesus. But again, it looks different for each one of us, doesn't it? It looks different. Just think about your own life, your context. Again, a context that I probably don't even know about. Think about your family. Think about your neighborhood, your career, your sphere of influence. It's going to look different, isn't it? Now, I also want you to do this, and I, and I mean this, if you could really do this right now. Reflect on your life and look back, because I, I think it can be very powerful as you consider the ways and the areas where you have said yes to Jesus. Think about that. I, I gave you some examples in my own life, but think about that in your own life. The places, the specific places where you heard the Lord and you answered His call. It's awesome, isn't it? It's powerful. It's moving. Even now, it probably stirs you up a little bit. But can we also be mature enough to be honest with this reality? And you might want to write this down. That your obedience will often face opposition. Your obedience will often face opposition. (laughs) The rulers of the day were not on the sidelines applauding the disciples, right? They weren't just like, you know what? We're just so proud of you. You're following Jesus. The way that you're praying in his name so powerful. And they're healing Jesus. I'm just praise the Lord for you guys. And we love the way that you're sharing the good news with our community. Could you just do more of that? In fact, just come up every day, all day. Just share the good news of Jesus. No. Scripture says what? These leaders. And man, these actors were so good at this. But these leaders, they were jealous. They were furious. They wanted to put them to death. Put them to death. Don't let, man, I feel like too many Christians get caught up in this. Don't let opposition be the measure or the barometer for whether something is from the Lord or not. That's so silly to me and I hear it all the time. In fact, what I've noticed in my life is actually something that these first Christians probably noticed. In many ways, when you start stepping out for Jesus and when you start obeying the Lord in the natural, often things get worse. And like, man, what did I sign up for? Really? Yeah, really. Yeah, really. I was talking to someone just this week. You used to do deliverance ministry. And the family member next to you said, please do not do that again. Because you remember the attack that came 
the spiritual attack, the attack from uh, the enemy, the, the attack that it, just, it was against your family, it was against health, it was just against you when you were involved in that ministry. Again, Dr. Steve Shell, I was in a mentoring group with him, and he would just warn us of these things. He would, uh, not to scare us, but to just make sure we're not ignorant of these things. He would say, you've got to realize, I talk to missionaries, and missionaries will have the strangest illnesses all of a sudden. They'll have uh, where their kids uh, have these strange illnesses or things would happen or auto accidents would happen. And he would talk about the attack that these missionaries were experiencing who what? We're just saying, I'm all in. I, here I am. Send me. I'm ready to share the good news of Jesus. And yet they faced opposition. What we just saw up here on stage, that wasn't easy for the disciples Sometimes we make the Bible into such a little fairy tale. Come on, that ain't no fairy tale. That's aggressive. That's hard. That's challenging. It's not easy. And life isn't always easy. God actually asks us to do some very hard and difficult things. I've noticed when challenges come up, when the pressure rises, a lot of people bail. A lot of people bail in life. But aren't you thankful that the disciples didn't bail? Aren't you thankful that the early Christians didn't bail? Aren't you thankful that people like Martin Luther and Amy Simple McPherson didn't bail? Aren't you thankful that the founder of this church, Chad Skilperor, didn't bail? That when the opposition came, when things got hard, they didn't run away, but they moved forward with a passion to obey the Lord. Some of us need to, right in this moment, just say, I'm going to rise up in maturity in my faith because I'm tired of bailing and running when things get hard. Not today, Satan. Not today. But if you're going to live this way, hmm, this is exciting. It's an adventure. See how I just flipped that? It's hard, but it's fun. Don't you love pastors? They're like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be hard. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. But we're going to do it. Praise the Lord. That's my second point, and this is very important, just as important as the first point. The first point was what? Obey the Lord. But the second point is this. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Again, you're going to face opposition. Jesus says in this world, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> Here's one for you. Matthew 10, He tells his followers, hey, by the way, followers, listen up. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. I don't have to convince any of you that there is some very serious evil in the world today. It's being expressed in so many different ways. But I really believe this. I believe in the church. I love the church. And I believe that we need to walk into this and face the darkness together. Together. Jeremy Folsom, Pastor Jeremy, wave your hand. He's in the back working on the video stream today. You know, as he continues to work so hard to reach the lost in Fredrickson, they planted the church back in the beginning of September. I was thinking about this week how important it is for him to be surrounded by a team. It can't be a one-man show. How silly that would be even to think that it could be a one-man show. He needs a team who is linking their arms with him. They can't just step back on the sidelines and watch a single man go ahead and pastor and reach the lost. No, they must move forward together. The power of coming together, moving forward together. And that's exactly what they're doing in Fredrickson. Praise the Lord. But also you need to hear this. Some really hard things have happened to that group in Fredrickson. That team, in this short season, 
that they've been running these services. They've already suffered greatly. They've had multiple cancer diagnoses. They've had the loss of loved ones, tragic deaths of loved ones. They've had other medical issues. They've had auto accidents. I mean, the list is long, and yet I love they're doing it together. They're encouraging one another. They're praying for one another. They're working hard, but they're obeying the Lord together. And by the way, even in the midst of all the hardships, you should hear their stories. They're also seeing God moving in miraculous, miraculous supernatural ways through their obedience. Praise the Lord. Here's the deal. I've noticed this in this season. I don't even know if I have to convince most of you of this. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is moving. That worship night on Tuesday night, I, I stood up in front of the group that was there to worship. And we could just sense the move of the Spirit and what He was wanting to do in us on Tuesday night. He's speaking. He's speaking even right now. I mean, I'm blabbering away, but in your heart, I mean, you can feel it. You can feel the stir of His Spirit. And He's stirring you up, isn't He? You, you feel the passion rising up. And it's to do something for His name, for His glory, for His kingdom. And isn't that fun that even as I'm speaking in this room, how many of us in this room, that the Lord is calling you. Even now, He's stirring you up. And He's calling you forward. And He's calling you, again, in a way that is specific to your context. It's not Pastor Dan's race to run. It's your race to run. And I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's in your place of employment. Maybe that's in your family. Maybe that's in your neighborhood. But there is something specific. You feel it even now. And again, write it down. But he's asking you to do it. But then I want you to take a step forward as you consider this. Right in that area where there's the dream, where there's that vision that the Lord is giving you. Can you also consider who you could ask to come along with you? Now pray about it. Seek the Lord fast and pray. But as Peter had John and Paul had Barnabas, Mary had Elizabeth, Jesus had the twelve and the three, just that some of you, would you be willing to ask, be brave and courageous enough to ask someone to walk along with you on this journey of obeying the Lord? In fact, maybe even do that this week. Ask them to partner with you to move forward into the darkness together. As I close and as I ask the worship team to come back up, I think this is so important. Verse 41 tells us that the apostles left the Sanhedrin, but they left rejoicing. Can everybody just say that word? Say rejoicing. That's a real important word there, isn't it? And the first time you read that, you remember when the first time you read that, you were like, what? They're rejoicing? Like they were just flogged? I mean, now we're all Christians. We're all mature. We're like, of course they rejoiced. But let's be honest. In real life, If you were flogged and whipped, that's not easy. That's a tough day. And yet, these apostles, it says they rejoiced. Why? Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for Jesus. They suffered for their obedience to Christ. They suffered. But they were able to rejoice. And why did they rejoice? Because they were counted worthy counted worthy. It's one thing to be rejoicing all by yourself, by the way. I've done that before. Uh, the other day I got to talk to a non-Christian, which is always kind of fun because I actually have to spend a lot of time with Christians. So I talked to an actual non-Christian and I came out of my office and I went all by myself. <laughs> but it's so much for, more fun when we're like, yeah, Woo! come on, Jesus. It feels dark. It feels hopeless, but we're not done yet. Hey, 
Yeah, like you can even take my life, but you can't take me away from Jesus. We win, we win, we win, we win, we win, we win. Hey! Hey! Oh, man. My poor dad, he's a second youngest of nine. So many of his brothers and sisters have died in this year, and we've had cousins that died. You heard about a couple of my cousins that died, one from an ATV accident, one from a a semi-truck accident. His 12-year-old son hung himself, killed himself as well. Just death after death after death, sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. And yet, my dad, I love him because, Danny, remember, we're on the winning side. Remember, Danny. Even if they take away your life, you know that about my dad. He said, he would tell me at the earliest of ages, 19 years old, he goes, it's easy to follow Jesus when everything is going well, but Dan, what are you going to say when they put a gun to your head? He said, I mean, I I would never say that to my kids, but he told me that. Because he wanted my life in Christ to be all of it. Like it wasn't going to be about circumstances. It wasn't going to be about situations. It was going to be about that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But then what I've learned and I've had to learn is to walk through the trials and the challenges, not on my own, but together, together, together. And then someone hurts my feelings or you, you send an email and that bothered me or whatever. But I'm like, no, 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 no. Together, together. It's Lord, I love that person. I, I've said that so much time. We've said that so many times in this last two years. Like, no, that's our brother. That's our sister. We love them. We're not going to carry offense. We're not going to walk through this angry or mad at them. No, we love them. We want to do life together with them. And this matters so much that we would rejoice together. Because, again, life is hard. You're going through some hard things. But we can do this especially as we do this together. And when we gather, we better be rejoicing. And I love that about Life Spring. This is a place of rejoicing. And it's not because the week was easy. It's not because everything went the way we wanted it to go. But we rejoice because Jesus was with us every step of the way. We rejoice because we have a part to play in what He is doing on this earth. We rejoice in the healings and the miracles that are happening here, that are happening at Fredrickson, that are happening all around the world. We rejoice that though it feels like evil is all around us, we rejoice that we carry the very light of Christ and we can bring into every room that we enter His love, His joy, his peace and his life we carry his life into every room that we enter and again i already said it but i'll say it again we rejoice that our names are written in the lamb's book of life church we rejoice together so i close with this holy spirit just use these words i close with this let's obey the lord Let's obey the Lord. Not in spite of circumstances, but right in the midst of our circumstances. Obey the Lord. He's speaking in beautiful, powerful ways in 2021. I I believe we're only at the beginning of Him moving in signs and wonders. That as we obey the Lord, where we do what He asks us to do, go where He asks us to go. I, I think we're going to see God moving in the miraculous like never before. But again, we have to be willing to listen to Him. We have to be willing to stand in the temple courts, even in front of our enemies, and do what he's asking, him to, asking us to do. So let's obey him, but let's do it together. In fact, why don't we just stand to our feet and let's sing, let's rejoice together to a God who is worthy of praise. Amen. Amen. Can we just stand?